Wait, Brenna, before you go, I want you to know something. What is it? <laughs> With great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> Fuck that shit, it's fun fiction! <laughs> Welcome to Fun Fiction, ladies and gentlemen, the weekly show where we talk about movies, media, and how the internet ruins it. I am your host, Scotty Moore. And I'm your other host, Brenna Clark. What's up, guys? How you doing? Oh, Brenna, I'm so... Ex- I... Okay. Did you... Who was your first? <laughs> Whoa, Scotty. <laughs> who was your first superhero? Is what I mean. First superhero, like, ever? Like, I guess not ever, because, like, I remember as a kid having, like, Superman and Batman shit, but, like, it none of it struck me. I guess your first superhero you were actually obsessed with, because uh, mine is the subject of this week's show, and it's sp- uh, the Spider-Man. Well, mine was probably Batman, so... <laughs> <laughs> And that's the show for this week. Make sure to tune in next week where we talk about Batman. No, um, <laughs> yeah, I remember the... What came out first? I think the Spider-Man PS1 game came out first. Or was it the movie? Oh, I don't even... I don't know. I, I was so obsessed with the movie that to this date, I remember the release date of the first Spider-Man film. It was May 3rd, 2002. Don't know why that's burned into my skull, but I know it permanently now. That's kind of amazing. <laughs> yeah, because, like, Spider-Man was... I don't even know why! Because he's... It's not like he's any cooler than Iron Man or any other superhero. Well... It's literally... <laughs> it's literally... It's a dude, and he's got spider powers. The end. But for some reason, as a kid, and I guess it's because, like, Stan Lee talked about it, he's like, I wanted a superhero where his his secret identity is more interesting than who he is as a superhero. I wanted a kid with problems. Girl problems. And I guess that's why he's so enthralling to watch as an adult. It, is it? I mean, what what's yours? Because, I mean, if you're talking about Spider-Man games... It's obviously web-slinging around New York. Duh! But if you're, if you're looking at the movies, it's definitely him as as a, bo- as a boy, the Peter Parker. Yeah, well, I don't know. I think I, I that's hard. I mean, it, Peter Parker definitely is, like, a great character, but I also think that Spider-Man is a really rockin' superhero, and I think he's definitely better than Iron Man, just saying. How dare you do this to me? I can't help it, because Iron Man's a tool. Once I grew up, I did become the biggest Iron Man fan of all time. I love the Iron Man, but as a kid, I was always firm. And I think there's another thing that I'm really into now, which is, like, split pictures, where, like, one half of the picture is one face, the other half is another face. I used to get obsessed with drawing pictures where one half was Spidey and one half was Venom. Nice. I think that's what I think that's what drew me to Spider-Man so much in the beginning, was because Venom is dope as shit. He is dope as shit. Was he your favorite villain of the Spider-Man mythos? I would say yes, 
even though look, I, this is going to sound terrible, but like I get most of my Spider-Man stuff from the movies. So I don't, I know some of the comic stuff, but I just watching Garen play the new Spider-Man game. I just now found Scorpion and I'm obsessed with him right now. <laughs> Scorpion is in the one of the Spider-Man games. I was obsessed with Scorpion because he was like the first villain you had to fight. So he was the only one I ever really got to before I got bored and stopped playing the video game. As one does. Um. So yes, yeah, Scorpion was a big one for me. Venom is my number one, always number one favorite Spider-Man villain of all time. Um, I'm trying to think of other ones that I really like that don't have prominent roles. Like, Mysterio is one I really want to see in the films eventually. Yeah, well, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal is uh, playing him in, I guess, the net Far From Home, possibly. Yeah, I am really hyped about that. Also, can we, I guess, since we are going to talk about Homecoming mostly, we'll probably go into the other stuff as well, but, like... Homecoming, for me, was the perfect Spider-Man film because they realized the one flaw that every other Spider-Man film tried to do, which is, hey, we know how he becomes Spider-Man. Yeah. We know about the radioactive spider. We know about Uncle Ben. We've read it. We've heard about it numerous times. Don't tell me that shit. Just give me Spider-Man already in media res, and then let's get into it. But, you know, it does make me kind of sad, because I would actually love to see Tom Holland do that stuff, because he he's he is Spider-Man, and I think he got cheated out of the origin story. Like, I get it. We've seen it, like, t- two or three times in the movies now, and yeah, sure, calm down, but... He's such a good actor. I just want to see it. When you have to watch the ugliest cry in cinema history, Tobey Maguire face it once. That's what I'm like. I've had enough. I'm good. I don't need anything else. Oh my God. I just, it, it it's amazing to me how, like how many tries it took for them to get it right. Cause yeah. like they have Tobey Maguire, who is like this just perfect like nerd you know now wait hold on i will say this and it's uh the first two spider-man movies in that series were really fucking good films yeah no they are good but then (laughs) they were just like oh this is the third movie that means we obviously must have three villains throw them all in there baby well maybe they felt that their time was coming to an end so they're like we gotta shove everything in here and Uh, oh no there was supposed to be like a fourth one that was gonna come out that was apparently gonna be really good until all the reviews happened at once but how (laughs) toby mcguire couldn't have kept being (laughs) spider-man forever he was getting old Fair point, fair point. But even then, like, I wouldn't mind seeing where that thing... I'm still mad. I'm hoping that Tom Holland it will keep enough longevity to pull it off. But I'm mad that... Because I think this is where they were going with the fourth Spider-Man. This is where they are going with the third Amazing Spider-Man. And both of those got cancelled beforehand. I want a Sinister Six movie. Yeah, that's where they're leading up to. And I feel like it could happen, but... (laughs) We just got to see how far from home goes, I guess. 
Mm-hmm. The, I mean, the only time the Sinister Sinister Six, the the Sinister Six was put into media for Spider-Man that wasn't a TV show or a game was, of course, the great Spider-Man turn off the dark, where they had the Sinister Six, and instead of putting in a sixth normal Spider-Man villain, they were like, we're going to make a new Spider-Man villain for Broadway. <laughs> and, and her name is the Swiss Miss, which immediately made me think, oh, cool, a hot chocolate-based villain. This is fantastic. I I can say that I have not seen anything from that show besides the fact that Craig from uh, Degrassi played Spider-Man and he looked damn hot in that suit. Wait a minute, did he? He did! Hold on, I do want to look up Swiss Miss and, oh, wow, I should have put something with Spider-Man, because I just got... Chocolate! Hot chocolate! (laughs) What a hot chocolate! Um, But yeah, the Swiss Miss, if I remember correctly, almost looked like if a White Walker was a Ninja Turtles villain. Like, that's the best way. And Green Goblin looks straight up like the Grinch. Well, there's only so much you can do in the theater, Scotty. I mean, I don't know what you want. But Brenna, just look. Oh my god, what the fuck? Hold on, there's some problems. What the hell? I didn't know the Craven the Hunter they did for it. It's not a dude. Like, Craven the Hunter's just a man with a face, and yet they still put this massive mask on him. I... I wish I could see what you're looking at right now. I want to know what how they handled Carnage, because apparently they put Carnage in here, too. Jesus Christ, Broadway, what did you do to Spider-Man? Uh, tried to kill everyone? That's what they did to Spider-Man. Yeah, they did that to the Spider-Man. Um, but yeah, also Carnage. Uh, now that I can we talk about them... Fuck, Carnage is, like, the darkest character in the entire Marvel universe. Is he? Hold on, do you have a rebuttal to this? Because I'm fairly sh- Carnage killed his own baby at one point. Oh, well, yeah, I guess that's pretty bad. Yeah, like, uh, that's my favorite thing about chasing, like, deep alternate universe lore of Spider-Man. Like, you know about the alternate universe Mary Jane and how she died, right? Yes. You're like, yes, and we don't need to talk about it, Scotty. It's fine. We're good. Anyways, back to Spider-Man Homecoming. I This was the first Spider- Actually, no, I think I saw another one twice in theaters. But it was the first one of the Spider-Mans that I decided to see a second time. And it was actually me and my current my current lady, our first date, was Aww. going to see Spider-Man. It's also when I learned that she's one of the people that talk during movies. And I was like, look, I know I've already seen this, but you're going to have to shut up. <laughs> or I will kill you. You're going to have to be quiet. Well, some people are just different, Scotty, and you have to love them anyway. Yeah, but if you talk during that movie, you don't get the best twist, which is when it's revealed that fucking Spider-Man's girlfriend's dad is actually Vulture. I gasped out loud. That was literally the best reveal ever. Just swing open the door and there's Michael Keaton. What's up? I had almost a legitimate anxiety attack during that scene. Like, my blood was crawling for Peter. Just like, get out. Get out, boy. Leave. <laughs> you go now. She's not that important. Just go. Oh, my God. And, like, Vulture 
was Michael Keaton knocked it out of the park as Vulture. He dude. did, my God. And you know what? It's so funny. This is like the third time that he's played a, a superhero character like this because he was Batman, of course, and then he was Birdman, which if you haven't seen it, it's amazing. And then from Birdman to Vulture. He evolved from a bat into a bird into a vulture, which is still a bird, I guess. Yeah, but like a predatory bird, so it's cooler, I guess. So he went from bat to bird to angry bird. Yeah. (laughs) Until finally where he's in the angry bird sequel. No. (laughs) No. But no. No, we're not doing angry birds on this podcast, Scotty. Spider-Man takes on angry birds. Holy shit, that would work, though. Like, why, why didn't they make, like, a mobile game where it's just Spider-Man and you have to swing him into blocks and try to knock him down? Uh, sounds like you need to be pitching some stuff, my dude. I need to be moving to Hollywood, bro. That's right, shit, what are you doing mm-hmm. here? Oh, my God. So, have you played the Spider-Man video game yet? Because I, I have not No, yet. but I feel like I have played it because I w- sat and watched Garrett play it, so... I don't, the storyline is devastating, and I really don't know if I could play it myself. See, with me, Spider-Man games were my first introduction to, like, sandbox-style games, because GTA was the big sandbox game. But for little kids, or uh, and me, 15 years old, my parents didn't want to buy me GTA... <laughs> Uh, Spider-Man was the only sandbox games, and it's even better, because in GTA, you can't climb up the Empire State Building and then just jump off and see what happens. Exactly. No, that scared me so bad watching Garen play, because he was just swinging through the city, and all of a sudden he lets go, and I'm like, uh, you're gonna splat on the ground. But no, he just, he lands all gracefully like a, like a little kitten. Mm-hmm. Now, what I do like is that in one of the previous, like the PS1 Spider-Man games where they did not have the rendering power oh my to to render a full city, they did this, the, the way of them getting away with not having to render a street underneath you was like Green Goblin's fog is on the ground. So if you fall into it, you'll die. And that's, that was their nice way of being like, we're not fucking rendering anything else. Hell no, dude. You, why are you spoiling the magic of video games? Like, why can't that just be what it is, Scotty? <laughs> that was also the first ever actual end of i think it's the first time i ever really reached the end of a game was the first spider-man game on ps1 and it is horrifying well i guess it's good to know that that really hasn't changed no oh yeah well no no the end of the ps4 game is like an emotional reveal this one is a the carnage Fucking murderous Cletus Cassidy symbiote bonds with Dr. Octopus, creates this giant morbid creature that chases you through the sewer, and you can't fight it. Your only choice is to run. This game is basically showing you the inevitability of your own death as you're running from this thing until you finally jump out and manage to save yourself. Wow, that was a lot. Yeah, it was a lot for a fucking 12-year-old to take in. So I was just like, yeah, I want to play this game. Oh, no. <laughs> My life is forever changed. Mm-hmm. And th- that was also how I really got into Spider-Man was through the, through the uh, games. Because 
with your unlockables, you could look and they would give you a description like Craven the Hunter. He's a fucking crazy guy who hunts shit. And then underneath it, it would say what uh, what comic he debuted in, and then, like, important stuff in comics that you could actually go and look up. So I would be there with, like, a notepad Aww. writing down, like, Amazing Spider-Man number 202. I need this one. And then I would go and buy those copies. But surprisingly, Brenna, the first copies of when characters appear are usually pretty expensive. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. So I didn't get into comic collecting because I re- I I flew too high to the sun, and like Icarus, my wings melted and then told me I don't have enough money for this. Nah, dude, it's it's hard to keep up with comics. Like I was doing pretty well when My Little Pony started, you know, but then after mm, twenty issues, I was like, man, I'm tired of getting these. Like the only comic series I have collected the entire thing is one called i think it's called american alien by max landis and it's a superman story and i really like max landis so i was like i want to get that support him that's awesome and and then it came out later he's a problematic individual but uh at the time he was cool and so i was like okay i'll get issue one and then next month all i gotta do is get one and then one and then seven months and i'll be done no like six months and i'm like wait hold on what the fuck exactly now oh god yep that's why i like sticking with things like the rick and morty dungeons and dragons thing that's only gonna be four issues long so i'm like yeah i can do that Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, sticking with movies, where I could just easily be like, yep, we got one movie and that's it. Yeah, All we if you want to be lazy. About... All we gotta do is talk about how dope Vulture is, and that's it. He, oh my god, I was so impressed with him. Mm-hmm. Also, it did feature my favorite cameo in a film of all time. Not for the actor, but for who the actor was playing. Whom? It was, of course, Mr. Donald Glover. Oh, yes. Playing the uncle of Miles Morales. Yes. The Black Awesome Spider-Man. Yep. And I hope that turns into something. I mean, they're already doing um, Into the Spider-Verse, which I am so hyped for. I'm super pumped about that, too. Have you read about the cast list? Because some of them are ridiculous. Girl, I've seen some of it, but... Not a lot. Hold on. Let me see. Because I'm trying to remember. Someone's playing Spider-Pig. And it's... Oh, fuck! Scorpion's in it. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. I didn't know Scorpion was going to be the villain of this. Hell, yeah. It's John Mulaney that's Spider-Pig, by the way. (laughs) It makes me laugh every time. I love that good, good skinny boy. Let's see. We've got John Mulaney as Spider-Pig, Nicolas Cage as Spider-Man Noir. Yeah. Which is is actually really cool. Did you ever play the it was the Spider-Man game where you fought through the different universes as different Spider-Men? No. I bought it exclusively because Neil Patrick Harris was playing Spider-Man, but it was a really good game. Mm. <laughs> is that your whole reaction? Eh, well, all right. you lost me at Neil Patrick Harris. <laughs> Wait, do you not like Neil Patrick Harris? No, we're mad at each other right now. Because Why are you- he was a jerk to Rachel Bloom at the, I think it was at the Tony Awards, maybe? I don't know, but he was a, a butthole, so I'm not speaking to him right now. 
Hold on. What if I told you that he apologized uh, uh, through CNN? I don't give a shit. Apologies mean nothing to me. Yep. Sorry. Actions speak louder than words, my dude. Oh, man. What happened? <laughs> what did he say? Uh, no, no, I'm reading the original tweet. Who is the woman in the top hat backstage at the Tonys? Gideon remarked that she says like and oh my god a lot. I'm confused. Her reply, I'm a big fan of yours. We've met numerous times and my husband wrote for how I met your mother for five years. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. I don't think it's that bad, Oh my god, Scotty. (laughs) Neil Patrick Harris is a busy man. He can't remember all the babies that he's met. No, we're not going to have this fight on this podcast <laughs> right now. Spider-Man, Spider-Man, <laughs> really name it. Oh, and also Liev Schreiber's in it, of course, is a villain because it's Liev Schreiber. That's what he does, yes. Um, I'm trying to think about any other awesome, because like Spider-Man I can talk about so much that I didn't make notes. I was just like, Venom, we could talk about Venom, we could talk about the games. I, I exclusively have notes from Spider-Man Homecoming because that's what you said we were doing. <laughs> and I changed it because I haven't gotten to watch Spider-Man Homecoming. Oh, God. But no, dude, I do love Spider-Man Homecoming. It's fantastic. It is a very good movie. But you know what else is fantastic, Brenna? What is fantastic, Scotty? All of our lovely patrons at patreon.com slash load of BS. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, patreon.com slash load of BS is the website where you can go and support fun fiction, a load of BS, Fight Boys, the entire BS network. And we got exclusive rewards for you. If you do, you can get access to our exclusive Discord. You can get shouted out on the podcast of your choice. So all you fanatics out there, if you want to get shouted out, just give us a little bit of cashola at Patreon. That felt dirty to say. <laughs> did a little bit that one felt bad to say we want to talk about you but we don't know your name and the best way to give us your name is by giving us some money at patreon.com slash a load of bs yeah because we like neil patrick harris don't remember your name unless you pay us to who was that person who tweeted us in the top hat and they kept saying (laughs) like and oh my god a lot oh my god all right so we've talked about spider-man kind of Ish. We tiptoed around the subject of Spider-Man while discussing other things. <laughs> hot chocolate and Neil Patrick Harris. Man, this podcast is a failure today. <laughs> I like each week we find a new way to fail. Like, oh, we're going to do a happy-go-lucky show on Pokemon. How could that fail? Everyone dies. Then this week we're like, okay, we're going to talk about how much we love Spider-Man. Fuck Neil Patrick Harris. <laughs> All right, but let's get into the fanfic, and mine this week is called Venomous. All right. Inspired by the fact that this episode was originally going to be about Venom, but then we realized that movie was probably going to be a stinker. Mm, you, You are not making me feel any better. All right, let's get into it. Another smile. Another day you avoid death. At least that's how it seems to go in your current workplace. Every day you deal with the reg- with the people no one else wants to deal with and act as the barrier between a possible serial killer and the other employees. You deter robbers, scare away creeps, and welcome regulars all with the same flash of white teeth. A receptionist. 
You watch the latest potential customer smile back to you, grab a pamphlet to the business, and walk away. Soon as the door shuts behind them, you relaxed back into your rolling chair with a sigh and rubbed at your sore cheeks. Yeah, okay, so maybe this isn't what you pictured your life to be like once you moved to New York, but at least you were lucky enough to nab this job. Paid a couple bucks over min above minimum wage, came with the illusionary title of administrative assistant, and graciously all of the free chocolate you cared for. Which, when it came down to you, came down to it, it wasn't that much, but it was the thought that counts. You grabbed one of the chocolate kisses from the glass bowl next to your computer, deciding that the sugar might help your current mood. Though you still took your time with it, methodically pulling at the loose corners of the silver wrapping to release the chocolate within without tearing the foil, you freed the kiss, sat it on your tongue to melt as it's uh, to melt as it's on as it's on pleasure. What? Oh, to melt at its own pleasure and continue to smooth the wrinkles out of the square foil. Boredom was never in shortage at this job as well, it turns out. But better to be bored and safe than in danger and face to face with a monster. After aliens attacked New York a few years ago, things have been even more strange in the city. New types of hazardous people were showing up more often. It was like playing Freak of the Week every Monday. Thankfully, the chances of encountering one of the freaks yourself was incredibly small despite being in New York. Nobody thinks of robbing a massage therapy business. And why would they? Most, com well, most customers come in for a few hours and only bring a credit card. At, mask at max, you handle a few hundred cash every few days, but that gets sent away before building up enough risk to, go enough to risk going to jail for. So you were safe, bored, and had very low risk. A dream job by anyone's standards in New York. Having fun? A voice slapped you out of your thoughts, and you quickly sat up and put your hand over the perfectly flattened square foil. You looked up to see your boss looking down at you from the other side of the counter. Uh, yes, I, I mean, I already finished all of today's paperwork. You quickly adjust your shoulders and look at your boss, motioning to the small folder of client forms next to the computer. I was just waiting to put them in the file cabinets until later today, when less people are likely to walk in. You clarified quickly, trying to make sure you didn't, you didn't make your boss regret hiring you. She eyed the folder with a slight smile before she walked past the counter to grab her purse. I'm out for lunch, she said, and quickly left you alone once more in the reception area. Your eyes followed her out the door and past the window, and you noticed the TV across the walkway showing the news. Another superhero fight was going on, it would seem. It was hard to see with the passerbys continuously blocking your view, but from what you could see, you could tell Spider-Man was on the focus. Something blurry and green appeared every few seconds. You could actually see the TV, but that only narrowed, narrowed down the villains to half you knew of. If it, was, if it was even one of the usuals, hell, it might be someone entirely new. The door slammed open, causing you to jump in your seat and look to the visitor. A man with a leather, leather jacket, ah, oh god, never a good sign, and long black hair glanced into the business a moment before looking back and closing the door as he stepped in. You could feel your chest hammering from the bells ringing in your head, but you bit down your thoughts and stood up at the desk, placing a well-practiced smile on your face. Hello, how can I help you? You risked looking towards the computer, not seeing any new clients for at least the next half hour. The man walked further into the room with the barest hint of a limp, turning his eyes all about. But you noticed that he focused more on the windows than the interior of the room. So, he was hiding from someone. That wasn't good either. Uh, this is the... Oh, wait, oh, that's him. Uh, this is the... He glanced around again, but you could tell his actions were calculated. It takes an actor to recognize another. Massage place? He asked with a smile that didn't quite reach his eyes. You noticed a single bead of sweat on his brow, and the lump in your stomach grew heavier. Yep! You kept your voice high and cheery, stalling for time. If he's hiding from someone, it means someone more dangerous could be coming. 
It would be better just to wait it out and not draw attention to here. I don't see anyone on our schedule for a while, so I assume you were looking to book an appointment? He thought a moment before adjusting his jacket and speaking up. Uh, not quite. I was looking for possibly a gift certificate. It's for someone else. The thoughtful pause between his words made his act even more obvious to you. How much can... 30 get me? Your smile faltered for a second. He must have never even been in one of these places before if he thought $30 would be enough for anything. Not much, I'm afraid. You pulled out a pamphlet and opened the flap to show the prices of the massages. Our half-hour option is $38, and we go up from there. I suppose we do offer a 20-minute chair massage for 25 but th if this is a gift, I wouldn't recommend that. I see. His eyes flashed down at the paper faster than you think anyone could actually read before he pulled it closer to him and leaned against the counter, casually keeping his back to the door. You watched as, as his baggy eyes glanced past you to the window once more as he reached into his pocket. Your anxiety skyrocketed for a moment before he pulled out his wallet and started fingering through the cash. He pulled out two twenties and put them on the desk. All right, give me a card for half an hour then. You nodded, quickly reaching back for the envelope and thick card stock. Is there anyone I should make this out to? You asked, deftly writing in the amount for the card and the date. Ah, uh, no, don't worry about that. Their name is hard to spell. He said, and you left that part of the card blank. You looked up to hand him the gift card. All righty, well, here you go, mister. You waited for his name in the most polite way you could think, just in case. He looked like he was about to answer when the wall next to you exploded. The ground hits you hard, but not as hard as the shower of bricks that came crashing down onto you. Smoke filled the air with a ringing alarm, but the floor you were on seemed to spin as you desperately tried to hold on to a conscious thought. What was happening? You heard voices shouting and glass breaking. You blinked and blinked, finally clearing your vision enough to see utter chaos outside the window. And where the wall used to be... You noticed the man was nowhere to be seen. People outside were scrambling around in panic as flames licked the sides of the buildings. Someone covered in green metal towered above and shoved people out of the way, looking wildly around and shouting things too quickly to make out. The ringing in the air seemed stronger when he glanced in your direction and you realized that it wasn't the alarm going off, it was his suit. He quickly turned around and darted off, the ringing sounding quieting when he did. The pain surrounding your body started to register, but you couldn't call out for help. Your mouth opened only for no sound to escape you. Your vision started to tunnel, and then you realized that you weren't breathing. You inhaled, or tried to, and felt your lungs refuse to fill. Your ribs couldn't move, and you realized the overwhelming weight you felt on you were the bricks from the wall, and you couldn't push them off. Trying as hard as you could, you willed for your hand to move to maybe signal someone, but only burning sharp pains replied. Then you saw him. Spider-Man. The red-suited hero stood out in your blurry view as he stopped between the buildings and looked at the disaster area. You felt your hope rise as the, uh, as the what you assumed were his eyes turned to your direction. Yeah, yes, over here! You opened your mouth wider, feeling the slightest bit of air into your lungs, almost enough for something. A chunk of darkness fell from the sky, and the blurry Spider-Man caught it before dropping it beside him, blocking your view to him. No, he didn't notice you. If only you could call out, he could save you. You wheezed out a breath, trying not to focus on the building pain, threatening to make you black out. Can save you. A voice whispered next to you, and you couldn't tell who it was coming from. You started to notice your limbs getting cold, probably blood. You tried to reply, you didn't want to die. Then live. The voice spoke again, and you felt the coldness surrounding you even tighter. 
The edges of the pain started to lift away, and your vision finally turned to darkness. The last thought you had was of the silent disappointment that a hero didn't save you in your one time of need. You gasped out, flailing in your bed and kicking the sheets around your feet before you fell hard under the floor of your apartment. You breathed hard, heart hammering in your chest as you sat in a cold sweat. Thoughts raced in your head in too many directions for you to make sense of anything. You were at work moments ago and there was some creep buying a birth or gift certificate and then then nothing. Your brain reached out for what came next, but there was nothing there. You looked at your arms, seeing them shake in the nighttime streetlight coming in from the inside from the outside. They were fine. But wait, why wouldn't they be? You shook your head and took a deep breath trying to steady yourself. You couldn't remember anything after the man. Were you drugged? You didn't think you would have drank anything around customers, but who knows what else could have possibly happened. Look, maybe you just zoned out hardcore at work after that point and nothing happened. One could hope, at least. Resting your head in your hands after a moment, you let yourself cool off in the cold night air. Nothing happened. Nothing happened. You were fine. You didn't hurt or feel anything otherwise wrong. In fact, you felt great. You might work for a massage therapy face, but place, but working on the computer all day left your shoulders sure until now, apparently. Wait, were you sleeping that good? Why were you awake anyways? You weren't having a nightmare. Not that you remember your dreams much anymore. You hated waking up in the middle of the night. There was never anything else to do than scroll social media, and that only kept you awake longer. But it seemed like it was your only current option to get rid of your jitteriness. You reached out to your nightstand, only to feel your phone wasn't in its usual spot. You blinked, confused, and reached again. Nothing in the surrounding area. You finally turned on the lamp beside your bed and saw that the stand was empty, no sight of your phone. Could you have forgotten it at work? Very unlikely. You stood up to look at your jacket, only to now notice you were still in your work clothes. How embarrassing. Okay, pajamas, then TV, you whispered to yourself, starting a simple to-do list to survive the night. Walking to the dresser, you found yourself thinking about your freshly cleaned favorite pajamas, but once you placed your hands on the drawer, you felt the clothing on you tighten. You gasped and stepped back, looking down in time to watch as the work outfit seemed to liquefy and pull itself in different directions, solidifying into pajamas. You froze, not exactly sure what the proper reaction to this was supposed to be. A lump in your throat appeared, and you gently tried to swallow it down. Ha! Huh. Your voice was higher than you expected. You looked around in the dark room, double-checking just to make sure no one else was there. Nope. No prank crew, no cameras... Were you a mutant all of a sudden? The rest of your family was mutant-free, but uh, who knows if you got a gene. The gene that gave you the lackluster power to change outfits. Uh, disappointing if that was really your superpower. I mean, wait, didn't mutants get powers when they were younger, though? Questions filtered through your head, and it was becoming too much. Become. The voice spoke, and you did the exact opposite of what it ordered. You yelped and fell to the ground, quickly crawling over to your nightstand and grabbing the bat you had propped against it. You looked around wildly for the source of the voice. We are safe now. No harm. You could hear how heavy you were breathing in the empty room and could feel the sweat trickle down your neck. We? You asked out loud, not sure if you were going crazy. You knew you were a stressed person, but this was a bit much. Yes. We are safe. We saved ourselves, where Spider-Man has failed. Confusion made you lower the bat, thinking about those words. All in a rush, the events came back to you. The explosion, the weight of bricks, the green-armored man, and Spider-Man not noticing you. 
You fell back onto your rear at the memories, eyes wide, as you brought a hand to your mouth. Deep anger started to build up in the back of your mind, but you knew it wasn't yours. Who... who are you? You felt mo moisture at your eyes and felt like you were crying. You touched your cheek and pulled back your hand, seeing sticky black ink drip on an arch. Before your panic could rise, blackness filled your vision. And then you were falling. But you weren't yourself. You were... it. Whatever it was. The land around you wasn't earth. It was too orange, too broken. Dangerous animals were fighting below you, and you realized you weren't falling. You were flying. And then you were violently hit as space rushed pa past you. Things flashed black, and you found yourself alone, weak, until he showed up. He, who was so heroic, putting himself in harm's way for the benefit of others. He, who took care of you, taking every chance to use you and enjoy the power you gave him. He, who you grew attached to as you gave him everything you were. He, who betrayed you. Spider-Man. To be continued. Damn, son. Yeah, that uh, that actually went a lot longer. <laughs> In fact, I'm fairly sure. Yeah, this is a 45,000 word story. Wow. And uh, yeah, I reached a moment in the middle of that where I was like, yeah, this first page shouldn't be too long. And then halfway down, I was like, yeah, this is too oh, long. This is really long. Um, so yeah, that's my story, Brenna. <laughs> Okay, well, I have um, Detention with Peter Parker by Hemlock Andy, which is way shorter than what you just read. Okay, good. Um, should time out then. Yeah, so Michelle stared at the odd side of Peter Parker in detention. He appeared frustrated and irritated, tousling his mousy brown hair in boredom and looking aimlessly around the room. She even saw a gleam of, gleam of defiance toward the supervisor in his eyes. She saw his backpack tossed carelessly, unzipped, and paper spilling out. He seemed ready to bolt, eager to escape. Peter seemed to be in his own world, ignoring Michelle as she sat at the desk next to him. In contrast, the teacher gave her a strange look and shrugged in reluctance. He was used to Michelle's antics of spending time in, in detention, even if she wasn't in trouble. She did come to this ominous room frequently for defying commands or not turning in assignments simply because it wasn't beneficial to her education. Otherwise, Michelle came here to people watch and sketch. Mr. Smith started the Captain America PSA, and the fugitive superhero went on about being cool and the rules of detention. Michelle ignored the PSA since she'd heard it multiple times before. Instead, she opted to select her subject in the dull white light of the screen, opening her sketchbook. She twirled her pencil between her calloused fingers, the yellow wood scratching at her skin. She could hear the whirl of the sputtering school ventilation system and spotted the chip paint of the white brick wall. The, de the detention room was always so boring, static, and never-changing. Michelle had a fascination with the people who flowed in and out each day, depending on the severity of their misdemeanor. Every day, new subjects filtered in with different attitudes and problems, allowing new compositions. She'd seen a large range from students who practically lived in detention to goody two-shoes spreading over tardy. The ones in crisis and distress were her favorites to draw. Today, Michelle decided to draw another portrait of Peter Parker. She narrowed her eyes and studied how the overhead white light brightened his contours, forming highlights on his cheeks and casting shadows over his eyes. The light emphasized individual hairs and saturated his face, making him zombie-like pale. She quickly drew an outline of his face, drawing basic features with a saddened expression. 
She narrowed her eyes and focused on Peter's chin, pointed and perfectly sculpted, in her opinion. She added a couple more lines, outlining a harsh jawline. Michelle quickly double-checked her work, glancing at Peter and referencing the subject. After a moment's hesitation, she erased the lines with her eraser and reformed his jawline to be smoother and softer. She felt it was more appropriate for Peter. Michelle shaded the lips into a permanent frown and lightly added dimples to further express distress in Peter's face. She paused, holding her pink eraser between her fingers. Teasingly, she held it over Peter's face, replacing his bored and frustrated look with a giant eraser with drawn-on eyes and smile. As Captain America ranted on, Michelle felt the soft pink shaving of her eraser between her fingers. She sadistically slowly bent the eraser in half, watching the fiber strain yet never fully breaking. Despite the abuse and pressure Michelle put her eraser through, it never snapped or broke. Peter, too, had that same tenacity and resistance. She had seen him shoulder the weight of Flash's taunts and stride through academic obstacles and challenges. Michelle had never seen him break, bursting from the overwhelming pressure. So why was this model student in detention paying little attention to Captain America? Michelle had her own theories on why Peter was here in detention. She thought back to Washington, D.C. nearly two weeks ago. She had such a vivid memory of standing at the bottom of the Washington Monument. Head tilted all the way up, she watched the explosion in mild horror. A red figure appeared next to her, just as stunned and panicky as her. Michelle was taken aback by Spider-Man standing next to her. When she exclaimed, my friends are up there, she remembered a voice telling her that, ma'am, everything will be okay. Yet, Michelle could tell the superhero was internally freaking out. As she watched the wall crawler scale up the Washington Monument, Michelle was struck by the realization that she'd only seen Spider-Man in New York. There was no YouTube account that posted activity in Washington. It only seemed to be centrally located in New York City, especially Queens. She also considered the puberty-struck voice and short build of seeing the hero in person. When she later asked the students about their near-death crisis, it was too bad she hadn't been there in the elevator to capture their faces, but she wasn't willing to be in a building built by her enslaved ancestors. Liz, Flash, and the others confirmed the familiar voice and build, further supporting her theory. As a wallflower and self-placed social outcast, Michelle had an advantage perch above her peers. She could silently observe and note her classmates' attitudes, habits, and characteristics without truly interacting or socializing. Michelle had quietly overheard Peter shushing Ned about the Avengers and Spider-Man teaming up and asking about Spider-Man's supernatural abilities. Michelle paused during her internal rambling. During the video, Peter shifted slightly, allowing her to study his eyebrows. Michelle tweaked them in her image, making them more pointed and downward. She added little hairs haphazardly. Michelle knew she had to respect Peter's secret. He obviously didn't want anyone to know from telling Ned to conceal the super strength she saw online. She was lucky most of the class and teachers were oblivious to the quiet ones, including Peter and herself. A squeak of metal came from her right, and Michelle glanced over at Peter, who shifted in his chair in an irritated manner. He appeared even more frustrated and bored, if that expression were humanly possible. After glancing at her sketch, Michelle outlined a cloud like a halo over his head. She shaded in the cloud, further cementing the depressing atmosphere of her image. Michelle stared in admiration at her completed portrait of Peter Parker in crisis. Noting that she was doodling fate lines on the eyes of Peter's portrait, she erased him vigorously. Michelle sensed eyes on her and turned to see Peter's annoyed face. She passed him a walking pouty face, unveiling her latest portrait to him. A sad, distressed figure faced Peter, causing him to let out a sigh. 
He quickly grabbed his backpack, violently pushing back his seat and walked out of the room. She admired his courage to leave, especially since he struck her as a rule, rule follower. She rolled her eyes at the teacher's half attempts to get Peter to return. As Michelle watched Peter walk out of the room, she keenly spotted a thin silk thread snake out of his backpack. Smiling to herself, Michelle sketched a cobweb in the corner of Peter's collar. She smiled again. Perhaps he'd land her, himself in detention again and she would be able to study him some more. One of these days, she would fully uncover the secrets of Peter Parker. It was only a matter of time. The end. Oh, that's awesome. I liked it. I liked it. Okay, I thought in the beginning when she was drawing, I thought she was like drawing Tobey Maguire, then erasing it, then drawing Andrew Garfield. <laughs> that may have been what she was doing, I don't know. She was like, mm, that's not right. Hold on, let me put in this. My face is a little too old. Nope, that one's too handsome. Let's get Tom Holland in here. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. So I enjoyed that reading of a story that you just did, Brenna, but I just wish there was someone who could read, like, long stories to me. Do people do that? I think they do, Brenna, and they do it on a website called audible.com. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. And if you want access to audible.com's library of hundreds of thousands of audiobooks, you can get it for free for a 30-day trial at audibletrial.com slash BS Network. That's right, you can get access to any audiobooks you want. You can get mine, uh, Quizzle Corp, Quizzle Corp Risen, BS versus the Gods just got submitted, so that should be there soon. Whoop, whoop. Or of course, what what you listening to, Brenna? Well, in honor of uh, Halloween the 1st, um, starting today, well, not when you're listening to this, friends, uh, but I'm listening to The Hunger by Almakatsu. Almakatsu oh, sick. My, oh, oh no, take her to the event. Take her to the camp, my castle. <laughs> oh, she's probably a good writer, and but no. Okay, uh, so yeah, if you want access to any of that, you can get it at audibletrial.com slash Network. It supports us. You get free stuff. It's a win-win situation. But now, Brenna, it's time to get into mine, and since we are going long, I'm just going to jump right into it. Let's do it. <clears throat> Everyone remembers where they were the day of the Great Divide. The day wherein half of the entire universe was suddenly ripped away from their loved ones. The Divide didn't judge based on race or creed, it equally separated everyone. Some claimed it was the rapture and that the ones left behind simply weren't worthy of being taken. Others claimed the opposite, the Great Divide took away the sinners and left the world for the righteous. Many were forced to realize the dark truth of the, of the Divide. It was random. It took randomly and spared with that same uncaring indiscrimination. The horrify most horrifying result of the divide, however, was the fact that it left us with no heroes. No one save saving us from escaped prisoners or the number of villains that have only increased in number since the divide. The Avengers were split up and any surviving members were left out on a rock floating through space or abandoned in Wakanda. The world had no heroes left. At least... That's what Miles Morales thought. Miles was forced to watch on through a television screen as numerous people disintegrated before his eyes. It was horrifying to the young boy watching on from that dilapidated apartment in one of the seedier neighborhoods of New York. He grasped at his body, praying that it stay in one piece, praying he be spared. He eventually presses the power button and lays down in bed, attempting to rest. He knew after his nap he would know if he had been spared or not. Miles! Miles, are you okay? 
A voice screams as it rushes into the apartment. It was Aaron Davis, Miles' uncle and his caretaker for the past few years. Aaron did everything for his nephew, even if it meant resorting to shadier means of income. He would do anything for Miles, and the young boy knew it. His uncle was his hero. Oh, thank God. Thank God you... You... Man, I don't feel so good. Mm. Suddenly, Aaron collapsed into the doorway, falling onto one knee. Miles rushed to his uncle's side, attempting to embrace him. As he reaches forward, however, he finds only dust. You suck! (laughs) As Davis begins to float away, falling apart into that horrific ash that would scatter the streets for months after the Great Divide. Miles panics and continues to grasp at the floating bits of ash, attempting to pull them back together, but it proves to be a fruitless effort in the end. Miles sat in that doorway for what seemed like hours. Left in the literal dust of the last hero he had, Miles was alone. He stayed that way for many months, attempting to stay in the apartment for as long as possible. He burned eviction notices to maintain heat while struggling to make the groceries from Aaron's last trip last as long as he could. Eventually, the police came and attempted to force Miles out, but by the time they entered, he was already gone. I mean, he knew what they were going to do. Put him up in an orphanage, forcing him to beg for the attention of those wealthy idiots who were adopting, only to attempt to replace the memory of their children lost during the divide. But Miles wasn't willing to do that. He wasn't willing to be a replacement. He spent the next few months on the streets begging for food or change or anything to keep him going. Unfortunately, as the months passed, Miles began to see how the Divide affected the world. He began to see how a lack of heroes allowed villainy to thrive. He saw women get assaulted in the alleyways. He saw men get mugged for their money. He saw blood shed for the lowest of prices. He cursed himself for only being able to watch, but what else could he do? He was just a 16-year-old kid. One night, he stood around a burning barrel with a group of other kids who were forced from their homes after their parents were taken during the Divide. They kept throwing various bits of paper into the barrel, hoping to keep that fire burning one more hour. One collection of paper caught Miles' eye, however. Hold up! Let me see that! Miles reached out and snatched away the paper, causing the kids to groan as he quickly whisked away into a corner. It was dark, and the only illumination was provided by the nearby fire, but Miles managed to notice three words written in a bold font across the cover. Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man. In the pages of the comic in his hands, Miles learned about the history of Peter Parker. He learned that he was once a 16-year-old kid, just like Miles. After a bite from a radioactive spider, Peter began to show special abilities like wall crawling and web slinging. Peter's recklessness with his abilities unfortunately led to the death of his uncle Ben. This horrifying event turned Peter Parker into the hero we know him as today, the spectacular Spider-Man. Well, I've already got the dead uncle. Miles laughs to himself, hiding his pain. His mind fills with ideas as he continues to read the tome, learning of Spidey's various battles with the Vulture and the Shocker. He finishes reading the book, placing it down when he notices a large ad on the back. An ad for a place where fantasy becomes reality, a place where those radioactive spiders could be found. An ad for the Chernobyl Animal Farms in Birmingham, Alabama. Well, that's handy. His eyebrows raise as his interest is peaked at this advertisement, prompting Miles to have a wide smile grow across his face. He quickly grabs his knapsack and throws the comic in before rushing out into the street. The rest of the teens follow him as he excitedly searches the street for just one taxi cab or bus. Morales! 
What are you doing, man? One of the teens offers up before Miles turns back with a smile. I'm going to be a hero. A few hours later, Miles finds himself on a rather large Greyhound bus headed for the world of Birmingham, Alabama. He had never been out of NYC before, and the huge fields of greenery surprised him, causing a smile to grow across his lips. He kept reading Spidey's story over and over again, seeing himself in the hero. It wasn't Peter Parker climbing those walls. It was Miles. It wasn't Peter Parker defeating the lizard. It was Miles. A rather lengthy nap later, and Miles finds himself woken up by the bus driver, who proudly announces that they have arrived in Birmingham. He smiles as he steps off the bus, grabbing a map of the area from the driver. Moonlight beams down onto the streets as he slowly attempts to understand the roadways of Birmingham, not understanding how so many one-way streets can exist in just, like, one area. <laughs> that's, that's some Birmingham jokes for <laughs> locals. There you go. Eventually, he arrived at the gates of the Chernobyl Animal Farms. The farm gave off a beautiful green aura that shot into the night sky. He stares down at his watch, revealing it to be a little bit after midnight. He nervously checks the perimeter before quickly jumping onto the fence and quickly scaling it before falling in. He attempts to jump back to his feet when a quick, when a quiet noise causes him to panic. He looks down to see himself surrounded by numerous glowing serpents. He freezes in fear before making his way to his feet and tiptoeing around the creatures. The tension is palpable as he silently stalks through the nest of snakes, each glowing with its own unique radioactive energy. Not a sound could be made, lest they all attack. Hey, kid! A voice calls from the railing above. He looks up to see two figures, a small girl and a slightly larger man. The man continues to yell down at him as the snakes begin to awaken. What are you doing down there, man? It's like super dangerous. Look, you better be super quiet or else they're totally going to eat you up. The snakes all turn towards Miles with hungry looks on their faces when suddenly the female figure leaps down from the railing, standing between Miles and the group of snakes. She removes her glasses to reveal two large eyes which send out a beam of energy across the serpents. Miles even thinks he sees hearts appear in a few of the snakes' eyes as they all appear hypnotized by this girl. She grabs Miles by the hand as she places her glasses back on. Come with me. We don't have long before they break out of that trance. She comments before climbing up a nearby ladder, leading him to safety. He catches his breath as, breath as the girl stands next to her partner, a larger gentleman in a hastily fashioned superhero costume. A large red bolt of energy appears on his costume's chest as he smiles and high-fives his partner on a job well done. Who are you guys? Miles asks nervously as the man proudly announces, Why, little man, we are the heroes of this city. We are the light that strikes out against the darkness of this town. We are Red Lightning and the Quaka. The Quaka? Miles asks with a raised eyebrow. It's just a temporary name. It's not finalized yet. The young girl comments before Red Lightning interrupts. It's absolutely her definitely real superhero name. Now, citizen, what were you doing here this fine evening? I... I, uh, I was just trying to see some of the exhibits. Miles nervously fibs as he pulls off his backpack and scrambling to find a notepad. I wanted to learn about all the great insects and what radiation has done to their bodies. Huh. The quaka groans as she notices the Spider-Man comic in his backpack before he zips it up. Why don't we just get you home, kid? An excellent idea, quaka. Red Lightning responds before pulling out his cell phone. 
All right, I've called an Uber for you. Uh, I mean, I've called the Lightning Mobile, and it should be here shortly. Can I at least look at the insects in the meantime? N no, absolutely not. The Quaka attempts to comment before being quickly interrupted by Red Lightning. Of course you can. Come along, little man. And with that, Red Lightning and the Quaka escort young Miles Morales into the bug, exhi bug exhibit, where numerous glowing insects fluttered and flittered about in their cages. Miles quickly distracts Red Lightning by asking him about a nearby cage of butterflies and then goes to work. He quickly pulls out a few bobby pins and unlocks a nearby cage, spotting a spider crawling on the wall. He pulls out a jar and attempts to capture the small creature when suddenly a hand is slapped on his wrist, pulling him out. What do you think you're doing? The Quaka comments, causing him to pause, attempting to think up another lie. No, no look, kid, I know you, this whole divide thing is tough for everybody, but you can't do this. Take it from somebody who got bit by one of those things. You don't want this life. We didn't choose to be heroes. Okay, Red Lightning might have chosen a lot to be a hero, but I'd much rather just be at home with my boyfriend watching scary movies. But I had to accept the hand I was dealt. The only reason I'm a hero is so people like you can live the normal life that I can't. I... I I'm sorry. Miles responds as a ding rings across the Red Lightning's phone. I just... My home's falling apart. I have to watch my neighborhood crumble around me. I just thought they needed a hero and... And it could be me. The Uber's here! Red Lightning responds before putting on his superhero voice. I mean, um, <clears throat> the Lightning Mobile has arrived! With that comment, Miles sighs as he slowly closes the door of the cage. The Quaka slowly guides him out as he puts on his backpack, which, unbeknownst to him, had a small insect climb inside not moments prior. So, what brings you to Birmingham, man? The Uber, the Uber driver smiles as Miles slings his backpack into the back seat before sitting beside him. Taking in the sights, meeting a girl, why are you here, brother? Oh, no, I'm just, uh, I'm visiting family. Miles responds as a small glow begins to appear behind the driver's seat. He looks at it nervously as it crawls up the top of the chair. He nervously attempts to swat at it, and eventually the light subsides. He sighs a sigh of relief when suddenly the driver of the Uber leaps forward in pain. Ah, what the hell? He swats at his neck, then begins to rub it, groaning in pain. Miles' eyes widen as the driver's body begins to waver, swaying back and forth. Miles grabs the wheel as the driver's hands begin to go limp. I don't... How do I feel so good, man? And with that, the driver's head hits the wheel and the car violently accelerates forward, crashing into another vehicle. Miles's head is violently thrown back for the force, from the force of the crash and the subsequent collision of the airbag into his face. He quickly tries to pry the bag away, and when he manages to find his way out of the bright white abyss of that bag, he looks over to find an empty seat, the driver having fallen out of his car. Yo, buddy! What the hell's wrong with you? The driver of the car in front of them comments before running up and kicking the driver in the side. Had one too many drinks and decided to start tooling around in this ugly-ass car? Look, what's your problem, man? The driver continues to berate the befallen Uber driver once again, and Miles just looks on. He felt powerless to do anything. And unfortunately, that feeling of powerlessness is only increased as he looks to see a long tail shoot from the ground by the car and quickly impale the driver before throwing him to the ground and stabbing him a few more times for good measure. Jeez. Ma 
Miles' eyes widen as the Uber driver slowly stands, his fingers violently stitching together into claws as that massive tail towers behind him. It's then that Miles looks over into the seat to discover a small, dead scorpion. Mm. That's not good. Miles comments as the scorpion rips off the door of the car and begins to come after him next. The young Morales thinks quickly and grabs his backpack, using it to bash in the head of the beast, before quickly launching himself into the driver's seat, throwing the car into reverse and driving towards Chernobyl Farms. Oh god, I hope they're still there. Miles is only a few blocks away from the zoo when suddenly he feels a massive quake nearly jolt the car off the road. He then sees the sharp end of the scorpion's tail ram into the top of the car before ripping a massive gash through it. Upon reaching the museum, he quickly smashes the brakes, sending Scorpion flying into a nearby streetlight, causing sparks to shoot from it as it falls to the road. Red lightning! Quokka! Miles cries as he suddenly feels Scorpion's tail grip his body, nearly breaking his ribs. He gasps for air when suddenly he loosens. His face almost looks hypnotized as he lets out a loud, Aww. Miles, smi Miles smiles. That's fun. Miles smiles. As he... <laughs> As he turns around to see the quokka sending a beam of cuteness energy straight into the scorpion's face. Suddenly, a massive eagle comes swooping through the air, striking him across the face. This, unfortunately, breaks him free of the trance, causing him to grow furious and grip Miles tighter. Scorpion, huh? Red Lightning comments in his eagle form as he smirks. I think I got one of those in there. After a few more animalian transformations, Red Lightning turns into a scorpion. Albeit a very small scorpion, roughly the size of a playing card. He snaps a pincer dramatically before commenting, Okay, I'm man enough to admit that yours is bigger. <laughs> scorpion, scorpion smirks before giving Miles one last squeeze, before flinging him into the night sky, sending him into the farm where he lands in the insect exhibit. Rubble falls around him as the insect cages break open from the force of the impact. His head smacks against the concrete as he blacks out, completely unconscious. Uh, Scotty, how about you go with something bigger? The quokka calls as the scorpion towers over him when suddenly he shifts into the form of a massive gorilla, sweeping scorpion up into the air and pressing him over his head. How's this for bigger? Red Lightning comments with a smirk. Also, Brenna, please call me Red Lightning. It's pointless <laughs> if we don't, you don't use our superhero names. Unfortunately, this bickering between the two is cut short as the scorpion uses his tail to slice one of the gorilla's massive wrists, causing him to quickly drop the creature to the ground, where it sweeps the gorilla's legs out from underneath him. The beast attempts to transform into many forms after this, but the scorpion captures him in his tail, holding its blade against his throat. Wait! Don't! The quokka calls, attempting to distract Scorpion with her cuteness powers until Scorpion unravels his tail, sending red lightning into her like a bowling ball, knocking the two to the floor. The Scorpion growls to the sky as he stomps towards the two defeated heroes, holding his massive tail to the air, readying it to strike, when suddenly... Thwip! A massive web shoots from out of nowhere, cementing his tail to the ground. Scorpion struggles to break free when suddenly Miles swings down on a web, quickly kicking in the face of the scorpion. The beast shoots up into the air and lands on his back as Miles quickly rushes over to the two other heroes, attempting to help them to their feet. Unfortunately, this was enough time for Scorpion to break free of the webbing, sending his tail to strike Miles to the ground. 
As the hero falls, the Quaka grabs a bit of broken street lamp as Red Lightning turns into a massive rhino. The two charge at the scorpion and initiate battle. Red Lightning's tough rhino exterior proves to proves to be tough and uh, proves too tough for the scorpion to slice as the Quaka's speed allows her to quickly get around his slow-moving attacks. Really? Can't even beat a girl? The Quaka smirks, unfortunately giving the scorpion enough time to grip her in his tail and launch her across the street. The Quaka cries as the oncoming wall spelled her doom when suddenly she felt her momentum shift, as Webbing managed to grab the bottom of her feet. She looks down to see Miles, smiling and spinning in a circle, and now it wasn't a wall that was oncoming, it was the scorpion. The Quaka raises the bit of lamppost high and swings it as hard as she can as she makes contact with the head of the beast. It falls to the ground defeated as the Quaka attempts to not puke from the centrifugal forces. Well, good work there, citizen. Red Lightning smiles as he returns to human form, patting Miles on the shoulder. Stop calling him citizen. He's a hero now, whether he likes it or not. The Quaka smirks and shakes his hand. Wait, really? I'm a superhero? Miles excitedly yells as the two other heroes give him a raised eyebrow. You just swung around on webs and beat up a giant scorpion man. I'd pretty much say that means you're a hero. Quaka smirks as she picks up his backpack, placing it on his shoulders. So, wait a minute. What's my superhero name? Do I have to, like, file any legal stuff or anything? Miles asks excitedly. Nah, thanks to Captain America, we're pretty much good on that front. Red Lightning laughs as the Quaka pulls something out of his backpack. And as far as your name goes... I don't think this one's taken anymore. She smirks as she hands Miles a comic. A comic that inspired this entire story. A comic that he pretended that he was the main character of for so long, but Miles didn't have to pretend anymore. He was amazing. He was spectacular. He was Spider-Man. The end. And every time... I, these stories are my favorite. I can't help it. <laughs> the superhero story? Yes. I enjoyed it immensely. Yeah, I was very hyped for it until I realized, like, wait a minute, this is like over 3,000 words long. We're already running late. Shit, dude. Although, like, d- did you have to kill uh, his uncle? Like, did, did I have to kill Donald Glover? Yes. Uh, I'm not sure that you did, but... Whatever you think. It's the final thread that connects him to Peter Parker. They're both 16 and they both lost an uncle. I guess. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that's that's Spidey. So, Brenna, where can they find you on the internet? Well, guys, come look me up on uh, the Twitter or the Instagram at B-R-E-N-N-A-S-A-U-R. And you can find me on Twitter at Scotty Mo. That's S-C-O-T-T-Y-E-M-O. And make sure to buy all my books on Amazon, the Quizzle Corp Trilogy, BS versus the Gods. Or, of course, you can get them all on Audible, audibletrial.com slash BS Network. That's where you can support us. Or you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash a load of BS. Or on our merch website. We just put up the dopest Gravity Falls shirt ever. It is legit the dopest, y'all. I've seen it. 
I really, I it might be my next purchase from the website. But you can get that all at merch.aloadofpurebs.com. And you can check out the other shows at aloadofpurebs.com. So check that all out. Make sure to give us some feedback on iTunes. Rate, subscribe, do all that lump, lovely stuff. And make sure to send in fan fiction for next week's episode. And Britta? What is it? Since it's spooky, Wayne. Yeah! <laughs> I want to give you a show that I'm surprised it's taken us this long to get to. What are we doing? Carry on my wayward (laughs) son. There'll be peace when you are done. This is going to be a two-hour episode, folks. So (laughs) (laughs) strap in. Yeah, we're doing fan fiction all based on that one song. Yeah. I don't know what you were thinking. No, we're doing Supernatural next week. So. Yeah, buddy. I'm so hyped for it. Um, So send in your fan fiction for Supernatural, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Do the subscriptions thing. I don't know. What's what? What's next, Brenna? Uh, stay, st- stay away from Baby Hitler. Yeah! <laughs> Whoa! Wait, Britta. what? It's an it's an Marvel episode, so I guess this means it's the after credit scene. Yeah, buddy, hit me with it. Miles had now joined the unmasked Scotty Moore and Brenna Clark in their ritual of eating pizza after every battle. The heroes were laughing as the chef brings them out a third pepperoni pizza of the evening. So, wait, why is your name Red Lightning? Shouldn't it have to do something with, like, animals or something? You know, something simple, like Beast Boy. Okay, just ignore the name for now, all right, Spidey? Scotty responds as he steals a bottle of Parmesan cheese from another table. So, what's next for the friendly neighborhood Spider Boy? Uh, Heading back to school? Uh, Maybe after I get done cleaning up my neighborhood. I want to fix that place, man. Miles gets a big grin on his face as he thinks of the future. I want to take those kids and put them in a place they can be proud of. I want to give them the life that I can't have. That's very noble of you, young Morales. A voice calls from the shadows before emerging in a cloaked black trench coat. Jesus Christ, Stan, do you always have to enter all ominous like that? Scotty, Scotty comments as the man sits down, grabbing a slice of pizza for himself. What's this guy doing here? Miles asks nervously as Brenna puts a hand on his shoulder. He wants to make you an offer, and we want you to consider it. You see, Miles, what you want out of life, that's exactly what we want to. We want to help the world forget the pain of the divide. We want to restore the peace that the Avengers once brought to this world. But since it's appeared they've been taken from us, it's up to us. It's up to you to bring that peace back to the world. Because when the Avengers can't come, there's only one option left. Call in the reinforcements.